0: We move then to God's word and the promises within that word. The great story of this week of Samuel and the ways in which God worked in spite of the unfaithfulness of many of his people and his family. And Nigel is going to be preaching on that theme after uh, Peter brings our reading from the Old Testament. Thank you, Peter.
1: Our reading this morning is from... The first book of Samuel, chapter 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old, And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you, It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plough his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumiers and cooks and bakers, he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, We want a king over us. Then we shall be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the men of Israel, Everyone is to go back to his town. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Good morning, everyone. I'd like to start by reading just a few verses from John chapter 21, verse 15, where Jesus restores Peter after his resurrection. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Let's just pray together. Father God, we stand this morning and we look at the cross, the ultimate expression of our rejection of you, our God. God himself in the person of Jesus, killed by us, your creation. But the cross is also the ultimate expression of your love for me, through my failure you are faithful speak to me this morning so that rather than failing and rejecting you i may be restored and renewed for the glory of jesus i pray amen well in small town america on a stormy night at the reception desk of a small hotel an elderly couple tried to book a room. The receptionist profusely apologized. I'm sorry, he said, we're full. But then after a pause, he said, would you be willing to sleep in my room? The couple hesitated, but he insisted. Next morning, when the man came to pay the bill, he said, you're just the kind of man who should be managing the best hotel in the United States and someday I'll build it for you. The receptionist smiled politely. But after a few years, he received a letter from the elderly man recalling that stormy night. And he asked him to come to New York and he enclosed a return ticket. When he arrived, his host took him to the corner of Fifth Avenue and 34th Street and there stood a magnificent new building. That, explained the man, is the hotel I've built for you to manage. The man was William Waldorf Astor. The hotel was the Waldorf Astoria, and the young receptionist, George Bolt, became his first manager. Two faithful men, one faithful to his job and the other faithful to his word. In this series, we're looking at God's faithfulness, and this morning we're thinking about God's faithfulness in our failure. We're going to look at Samuel and see how Israel demanded a king. What do we mean by faithfulness? Well, let's look at it the other way. What do we mean by unfaithful? To be unfaithful is to betray. It's to lack commitment. But to be faithful is to be trustworthy to be true to your word, utterly committed. And what characterises God is his faithfulness. But what characterised the children of Israel was their unfaithfulness. Have you ever felt that you've been unfaithful to God? Have you made a wrong decision, taken a wrong path, maybe ignored him, maybe taken things into your own hands if you'd done that to a friend of yours you'd expect a frosty reception you'd expect them to step back to step away from you but God is different and the lesson today is that although we may have been unfaithful to God he remains faithful to us our unfaithfulness may have consequences but God remains faithful The Bible is a story of our failure and God's faithfulness. God creates Adam and Eve, but they disobey him. God calls Israel to be his chosen people, but they rebel against his leadership. God sends his son and his own people, his own people, crucify him. But through a cycle of failure, God remains faithful. God has made a covenant to save, and he will. He made that covenant with Abraham, a covenant for a special relationship with Abraham's offspring. And he made a new covenant. And you know the words, don't you? This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. God's faithfulness to his covenant means that he forgives our failures when we come back to him in repentance. His story is one of faithful restoration, nurturing back to health, nurturing back to strength, restoring broken relationships. So take heart if you feel that you've failed. Take heart if you think that your relationship with God is broken because he says to you, come back, come to be restored, come to be renewed, come to be rebuilt. The story of Samuel is the story of God rejecting his own, uh, God being rejected by his own people. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, the chapter opens with these words. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, So when the boy Samuel was called, no one was expecting to hear from God. Samuel grew as a priest in the house of God and then as a judge leading the people of Israel. But Israel's cycle of failure is seen as they take matters into their own hands. In chapter 4, we read that after a defeat by the Philistine army, Israel decide to go and get the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh, and put it in front of them to lead them into battle. They were defeated, again, and the Ark of the Covenant is captured. That was a decision of catastrophic proportions. It was enough to cause the death of Eli, the high priest, and his wicked sons. And Eli's daughter-in-law, who gave birth to a son, named that son Ichabod which means the glory has departed from Israel. What a catastrophic mistake. Have you ever made a a mistake which has left you feeling that the glory has departed? Chapter four ends without hope. Israel's army is slaughtered. The ark is captured. The high priest and his sons are dead. The glory has departed. Is this the end? Well, no, because in chapter 5, God intervenes. Listen to this. The captured ark is placed in the Philistines' temple of Dagon. And in the morning, the Philistines get up to worship and they find that the statue of Dagon is face down on the ground in front of the ark his head and his hands broken off. That's not the work of man. That's the work of God. And then the people of the city, Ashdod, they're inflicted with tumours. So the ark is moved from Ashdod to the neighbouring city of Gath. And the same thing happens to the people of Gath. So they try to move the ark from Gath to Ekron, But the people of Ekron say, no, you must be joking. We're not having it anywhere near us. After seven months, the ark is sent back to Israel plus gifts of gold as offerings of appeasement. It's received with joy by the people of Beth Shemesh in Israel. But there is a twist in the tale, 70 people from the town Of Beth Shemesh open the ark to look inside when they look inside they are struck down dead God is not to be messed with do you see that without any help from Israel God has single-handedly restored the ark and restored his glory so what does it teach us It teaches us that we may mess up but God's purposes are not thwarted. I've talked to people who've told me that they've so messed up their life that there is no hope left for them. But they're wrong. You may have messed up but God will work through your failures. When you come back to him, he will use What has been broken? What's done cannot be undone. But God can plot a path through your failures. So take heart. Your mistakes have not derailed God's plans. He will work through the consequences of your actions. And he will see that glory is restored. Our reading in chapter 8 marks the beginning of the end for Israel. No sooner had the glory been restored to the Ark of the Covenant, but Israel again rejects God by asking for a king. Instead of God who they can't see, they want a king who they can see to lead them, and this upsets Samuel, and in his displeasure he prays. We're not told what he said, But it doesn't take much imagination to think of the content of Samuel's prayer or his tone. He protests and God agrees. But God says to Samuel, if that's what they want, let them have it. Samuel was old and his sons were corrupt. But rather than trusting God, Israel's decided to solve the problem of leadership themselves. It wasn't God's plan and it wasn't Samuel's plan, but God allowed it. But he would work through their rejection. Eventually, it would end in tears. But here's the thing. Along the way, God worked through their disobedience. Because there were kings who served God, like David, like Hezekiah, like Joash. And Solomon built him a temple. And Israel grew from a tribe to a nation. God worked through their disobedience. God does not abandon them. Despite centuries of provocation and disobedience, through years of suffering and exile, God does not abandon his people. He promises a Messiah. He promises one who will restore Israel. God himself will give himself to rescue them. His faithfulness against the backdrop of their failure. Last week in Hammer's song, Anita reminded us that God opposes the proud and it's pride that causes us to reject God. A pride that says, I know better. A pride that says, I don't need him. And when we mix pride with a lack of faith, which says, I'm sure, not sure I can really trust God, we have a cocktail for disaster. God calls us away from self-confidence and away from distrust. He calls us to humility and to faith. In Psalm 95, the psalmist says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's pride. So how do we respond to God's call? His faithfulness is not in doubt, but what is in doubt is how we respond. The Apostle Peter failed miserably. Three times he denied Jesus. And we we read of that response in John 21. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? It wasn't a casual inquiry. It was Jesus looking Peter squarely in the eye and saying, I forgive you for abandoning me in my hour of need. I forgive you for turning your back on me. I forgive you for breaking your word when you said you'd rather die than leave me. But, Peter, I forgive you. And the question is, do you still love me? That's the question we face when we look at our failures. God is faithful. He says, I forgive you, but the question is, do you still love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus told him to go and feed my sheep. Peter was recommissioned. Recommissioned as the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Jesus had a job for him. God calls us this morning to recognize our failure. Without acknowledgement, there is no restoration. To recognize our failure and to hear him speak forgiveness. I'm going to ask the music group to come up now as we just focus for a moment on the communion table because on here are the elements which say, I forgive you. The elements of bread and wine and the question this morning isn't will God forgive me the question Jesus asked us is do you still love me as in Samuel's time God is still faithful even through our failures and he asks us this morning do you love me